You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey there, folks. It's Robin, and I'm popping in to talk to you about clean water because I'm going to be honest, I've been worrying about the contaminants in our tap water, and I knew I had to find a solution, you know, something reliable and effective. And that's when I discovered AquaTrue. And it's been a game changer for my family. AquaTrue's purifiers, they're basically like superheroes for your water, using a four-stage reverse osmosis process to tackle even the toughest contaminants. With PFAS, you know, those pesky forever chemicals making their way into nearly half of U.S. tap water, it is a relief to know that AquaTrue is certified to just kick them to the curb. Plus, their range of purifiers fits every home, from countertop setups to under-sink options. They've even got a Wi-Fi-connected model for the tech-savvy among us. And let's talk about those filters, okay? Long-lasting and affordable, they are a dream come true. There's no more like swapping them out every few months. AquaTrue's filters go the distance and last up to two years. Since switching to AquaTrue, I have noticed a huge difference. The water tastes cleaner, it's fresher, and the best part, I no longer have to worry about what's lurking in my tap water. Even my kids are drinking more water because of the ease of the countertop setup. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, our listeners are going to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and you're going to enter the code HEADSPACE at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E. Go get it. The other day, my therapist said that therapy is meditation out loud. So if you're not able to sit with yourself and cultivate that sense of non-judgmental awareness, you can have a therapist that is also that embodiment of non-judgmental awareness. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit down with a Headspace meditation teacher and we answer your questions. I'm Robin Hopkins, and today I am thrilled. I mean, I'm so thrilled that I had to turn thrilled into more syllables of a word to be sitting with the one and only Dora. Hi, how are you, Robin? I am good. How are you, more importantly? I'm doing really well. I, I'm i feeling a bit tired today, but that's good. It's a good tired. I feel okay. very complete and very nourished in this moment. Yeah, tired doesn't always have to be bad. Sometimes it could be you no. just did some really good things. 
Yeah, I did some really good things yesterday. I finished my eight-week MBSR program, which was really exciting. So that is why I'm a bit tired. <laughs> now, for, for those of us who are like me and don't know what MBSR is, what yeah. is that? Mindfulness-based stress reduction. Oh. Yeah, it's an eight-week program. If you ever look at any of the scientific research on mindfulness and its effectiveness, it will always talk about MBSR, and that's the program that they use. So very science-based, but I think over the last eight weeks, I've just learned how beautiful the practice of mindfulness is and how uh, unifying it can be across strangers. We were together for eight weeks, complete strangers from all over the world, and you know, there is the scientific facts, but there's also the real world, like practical, yeah. grounded evidence that you see when you listen to people talk about how they've overcome so many different challenges and obstacles in the last eight weeks together. So it was really beautiful. And was it in person or remote? <clears throat> remote, virtual. Well, it's so it's so funny that, you know, we're talking about that because like yeah. I was thinking about the last time that you and I recorded was in person. Yeah. And now we're remote because I'm on a different coast from you. And yeah. I just I feel like so many like relationships are happening virtually these days work. And it seems like that's a really I bet that brought access to this course to people globally. So that's yeah. a good thing. But then there's also bad things like we're isolated more. So like what what do you think about virtual connections? And taking it back to that course, too, were you able to do it as fully as if you'd all been in the room? Yeah, I think that was what was so amazing about it. It's that even though we've all been on Zoom for the last, what, three years now, there was still something so beautiful and something so transformative about practicing together in the Zoom room. Like it felt like there was no barriers or boundaries in between us. So that was the very that was a very beautiful side of being virtual. But I think for me as a teacher, I started my practice and built community by being in person. So I do value being with other people and feeling the energy of the room and just getting to like be in space with human beings. I don't know. It's such a gift as well. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, all right, Dora, it is time for us to get to our listener questions. And as I said, we are going to answer questions about acceptance, yeah. as in, does acceptance mean that you shouldn't confront someone? Mm. And we're also going to be talking about that's I'm so excited for that question. Um, and we're also going to be talking about when you have a song stuck in your head during meditation okay. and also how to square away your own mental health when you are dealing with physical health issues. Mm. We have lots of big questions today. So, um, Dora, I think we should just get to it. What do you think? Let's get to it. All right. Here's our first question from Andrew. G'day there, Headspace. I'm Andrew from Australia. I wanted to know if you think that learning to accept your situation means that you should not confront people when you feel like they've wronged you. Thanks heaps. Yeah, what's coming to mind right now is what is the intention with confrontation? Oh. Because when we confront someone, right, there's still a point that we're trying to prove. There's still a thing that we're trying to get across or trying to make someone feel something that we're feeling. And it may not work. You know, we're all mm -hmm. individual, sovereign human beings. We all have our own things going on. And I'm really curious about the intention, because if we're really stuck on a certain outcome from confrontation, that's going to be hard to even lean into acceptance. So I think my question or just an invitation would be, what's your intention with the confrontation? What are you hoping to get out of this? 
Well, so then that leads me to ask you this. Are there intentions where it is okay? Like I'm thinking of a work situation, like let's say you have a coworker who talks over you or who steals your thunder. I always approach it like if I can take my let's say anger or whatever emotion out of it and I can approach the person in a constructive way and I could say, hey, you know, I just really wanted to say to you, I, I appreciate you and everything. But in that meeting, when you spoke over me, I was making my point to the bosses and you spoke over me. I, I would love it if maybe you didn't do that in the future. Can we have a conversation about it? Like that's still a confrontation, but if it's done in a constructive way where you are trying to set a boundary and saying, please don't do that to me any longer. Is that okay? Because that feels like it should be. How does that square with acceptance? I feel like having a healthy conversation or communicating mindfully isn't confrontation. And I think sometimes we can perceive it as so because there's a lot of things going on in our minds and body when, you know, that thing can happen and it feels yeah. like we need to have a confrontation, but it doesn't have to get to that point. Like we can talk with the person. You did a really beautiful thing of using I statements. So I felt this way when you did this and I'm just wanting to get clarity. And can you help me understand better of where you were coming from? But I I think that that isn't confrontation. It's simply just having a conversation with someone. I, and I'd say the other thing, um, and I kind of mentioned this before, oftentimes we can think that when we're accepting of something, we're in agreement with, say, for Angie's question of, you know, being wronged. Um, we're not agreeing with that wrongdoing. We're not saying that this is okay, but in this moment we are uh, again, allowing for whatever had happened to be as it is, letting go of the stories, letting go of the resistance of supposed to be's or could have's or would have's or should have's and being honest about like, what is the cold, hard truth about this moment? So let's say someone's checked in with themselves. They they know that they, they just want to have a constructive conversation. Like, what are some tips that you could suggest for someone who's about to go about that so it doesn't turn into confrontation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say even before having that conversation, taking a moment to ground, uh, regulating your nervous system, because people can feed off your energy before you even say any word, right? So I think a lot of the times we can communicate verbally, but there's also the physical aspect of it, our body language. If you're going up to someone and your face is scrunched <laughs> and your fists are like, you know, there's... I just want to tell you one thing. Yeah, I just got one thing, man. Like, listen here. I mean, you're going to be met differently versus you just going up to the person and, hey, how are you saying hi, checking in? Can you get an understanding of where they're at? It may not be a good time. You may be ready to have the conversation, but you never know what's going on in their life. And um, I shared this before, Robin, but um, you had started saying like, I feel this way and I statements are very important because it doesn't sound like you're blaming the other person for what it is that you're feeling. Because again, right. they may have no idea that they have wronged you or hurt right. you. So being able to lead with I statements, leading with compassion, being there as you're listening them, listening to them speak, listening them, listening to them just to listen and not to respond and not to uh, you know, create the conversation in your head of what you're going to say and having the perfect rebuttal, but being present with that person so that you can have a clear, 
authentic conversation with them that isn't pre-calculated in your mind of like, this is what I'm coming here to say and I'm not going to listen to anything else. And it's like you're there with that person, but you're not there with that person. So, yeah. And those are things that I I will do and I have used of taking a moment to ground, using I statements and listening to listen and not listening to respond. That's that's fantastic advice. I I know that when I go in and I have a if they say this, then I'll say that. If they say, then I'm definitely not listening. I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to win. And that is not, and no, and generally those conversations go badly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And I think even if you are the type of person that it's hard, it's hard to do that because it is just hard to listen to listen. You can even ask like clarifying questions. So what I'm hearing you say is this and this and this, and is that correct? Or is there anything else that you would like to add so that you stay engaged in the conversation? Because, again, you could be formulating the perfect response as this person is sharing with you. So, yeah, being able to reflect back what you're hearing as well. And again, letting go of the outcome because it may not work out in the way that you envisioned it to be as you were. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, and that's acceptance. That's okay. Right. But but I think in those instances, if if you can walk in and you you came in not aggressive, you listened, if you did all those things like, I don't know if I'm able to do that, I walk away going, all right, well, I did the best I could. This is no longer about me. And that helps me get to acceptance a lot faster. This actually doesn't have to do with me. But highlighting something else that you said, because I really was like, oh, that is such a really good point. And I also think about when I'm maybe not able to do it or whatever, when I am able to listen, that thing that you said about they may have no idea that you're you were left with something like maybe like if we go back to my example of you're in a a business meeting and someone speaks over you and you were embarrassed in front of your bosses they might have been so excited by the thing that you were saying that they jumped in and jumped on so going into it you know and and being open to the like and listening to see if they did you know where they were coming from yeah. And I, I think even having that remembrance of like, this person may not know what they did to me. And I also may not know mm-hmm. what I have done to them. And in that, there's a sense of compassion that arises of like, we are two, you know, two different planets here with different yeah. ecosystems and all these different things. And our worlds are colliding to come together to find some type of understanding. We may not find it, but I can remember that in this moment, we may have been feeling the same way leading up to this conversation. And that can allow for more space to be there and more compassion and grace as you're communicating with that person. Because there's so much that we are all going through that we pro- probably won't ever talk about. And if we can hold that in our awareness when we're communicating with other people, things can really shift. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant advice. And Thank Andrew, you. good luck. I hope, uh, you know, yeah. we hope you're able to walk forward in kindness and, and compassion for yourself and, and whomever is, you know, bringing this up for you. Yeah, for sure. All the best, Andrew. All right. Let's go to our next question from Charlotte. Hi, my name is Charlotte and I'm from Denmark and I'm reaching out to you because I was um, recently diagnosed with uh, colon cancer and um, had also some massive ovarian cysts uh, removed very urgently. I underwent a very big 
operation and I'm still dealing with the aftermath of all of this. Trying to heal physically and mentally and everyone's focused on the next step, the next step, the next step. Do you need chemo? Do you not need chemo? And how's healing and all of that. And it's it's great that everyone's so focused on my physical uh, healing. But I kind of feel like my my mind, my spirit, my soul got lost along the way. And it's <laughs> left behind somewhere um, uh, because I was also dealing with stress and depression for three years before all of this. So it's it's a lot going on and I'm not sure how to get my mental health up to speed with all of the rest that's going on here. And I would love to hear if you could have some insight on how to do that best possible. All right. Thank you. Oh, wow, Charlotte. Um, Thank you. First of all, I mean, I think before we say anything, we just have to say thank you so much for, you know, sharing your question with us. And and you have been through an incredible amount. I don't know over what time period, but in and of itself, this has has been a lot and you've gone through a lot. And, um, you know, my understanding of of people going through cancer and stuff like this is this all these feelings you're having are very, very normal. But before we even say anything about that, before Dora does, I just want to say thank you for for calling and sharing this with us. What do you, what do you think, Dora? Yeah, I um, as I was listening to that question, I was just sending out loving kindness to Charlotte and everybody else who also may be going through the same exact situation or family members who are supporting people in the same situation as well. Cancer is such a just the ripple of impact that it has on so many people is just so, I'm just like at a loss for words at times. Yeah. I, used, I used to work in the hospital and, you know, would have to engage with folks that were, who were living with cancer or who were like family members and just to hear their stories and to be with them and just to learn how much of a change has happened in everyone's life was always so, yeah, it's heart heartbreaking. So sending you so much love, Charlotte, and May your journey um, of homecoming and returning to your body and finding a sense of restoration in your health and well-being be a journey of ease. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we really should start off by saying that it's important that you have support in place for you, Charlotte. You know, whether that be in form of a therapist or, you know, a cancer support group or even something like journaling, really just finding that space for you where you have a place to process some of your your feelings because it's a lot to go through mm. on your own. Yeah, I mean, we have for experiencing physical illness. It's not just the physical body that's impacted. We're holistic beings. So there is also the mental and emotional and spiritual and social aspects of our lives that are also changed and transformed. So I appreciate those suggestions, Robin, of journaling and especially being in community with people who are on the same path or on the same journey with you. 
because there's that sense of connection and deep understanding where it transcends words, you know, to see someone and to know that they've been through the same thing as you and just to be able to hold space and not have to say anything is like so restorative. So finding those people. And to not feel alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And usually hospitals, you're in Denmark. I don't know of any resources in Denmark, Denmark, but you can go to your hospital and they will have those outreach groups and community groups that you can be connected to, finding the peer support worker in your hospital or social workers in your hospital that can connect you to those people. Again, to remind you that you aren't alone in what you are experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was really um, taken aback or I just, it was very impactful when she said, I feel like my soul has been lost in this, you know, and that is just, oh my God, it's like, it's not enough the physical that you're going through, Mm. you know, the punishing physical from surgeries to recovering from surgeries to, you know, a cancer in your body and all of that. But then to feel like everyone is, and and I understand that because I'm the type of person who like when someone's sick, I'm like, all right, we got to get you DayQuil, we got to get you this. And I start to-do listing. And some of that is about my own discomfort with the other person's feelings. And so I start trying to come up with all these solutions and I start trying to be like, there's this and we could do this and to to do list everything away. But in the process of that can be lost the other person's feelings. And I think that's what Charlotte's saying is that everybody's trying to support her, but they've forgotten that she's a person who's just a little lost. What do you say about that, Dora? Like, what can she do to help her reconnect to herself? So it's not just all about this illness. Yeah, I think you said something there, Robin, about oftentimes when people are sick, especially with cancer, we forget the human being that has cancer and that is experiencing cancer and all that we see and all that we reduce them to as their loved ones or family members is cancer. And we forget that they are a human being that has a life, you know, Mm -hmm. and we just want to treat them and love on them. And my family baby them. It's like, (laughs) you're no longer an adult. Um, But having those boundaries, having, setting those boundaries with people, time boundaries, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, even mental boundaries. Sometimes we don't even want to talk about these things and we're just trying to move on and focus on our recovery because that's another thing. We have the illness and then there's the recovery from the illness, which is a whole other journey that we forget about. So setting those boundaries with those people that are in your life that maybe might be projecting their own fears or their own discomfort on you um, and being clear, maybe setting a time aside where people can visit or people can call you or communicating, hey, today I'm not up for this today and I appreciate your concern and thank you so much. It feels so great to be loved on, but just for today, I'm taking time out to be with myself because you're also learning how you're relearning how to feel safe in your body. Sometimes when we get sick, we feel and we may hold this belief that our bodies are fighting against us. But if you look at our immune response, our body is fighting for us. And the illness is that byproduct of that, right? So we have the uh, inflammation in the body and the sickness that is coming and all those different things that may arise. But it's our body doing its best to keep us alive and fighting for us. So remembering that, you know, and it's, it's, it's a process. It's a journey of relearning who you are after experiencing something like cancer. And if you're living with depression and anxiety as well, it's, yeah, it's not a an easy journey to be on, but it's one that requires you to have so much compassion and grace and patience with yourself. 
I had this one friend who fought cancer several times. And one of the times I went to the hospital was one of her last surgeries. And she was just angry. And I I got a real moment of clarity where I realized my only job that moment was to just be there and to just let her say whatever she needed to say. Because prior to that, I had come in and been like, oh, my job is to joke and maybe, you know, make her not feel like she's in a hospital. But Mm. at that moment, she had had multiple surgeries and she just didn't want any of that. And so I just tried to listen to what it was she needed and she needed to be pissed. And I just said, is there anything I can do for you? And then I just sat with her and it was hard. It was hard because you don't want to watch your your people that you love in in these spaces. Mm. But if that's what they need, that to me, it's like you've got to give that to them. Yeah. And sometimes words are not enough. There's not enough words in the English dictionary to describe tragedy at times or deep sorrow and sadness. And, you know, and this is for me, why my meditation practice has been so helpful is being okay to be silent and having that sense of silence between two people and not trying to fill the silence with unnecessary words or awkward conversation, but simply allowing that, you know, it's kind of intimate to be with someone that is struggling or suffering and just to hold space for that and not impose what you think they should be doing or how things should be, but just to simply be there with them. There's something, again, that's really healing because this person is going through something that we may never experience and we may also never understand. Yeah. Um, And it's requiring us to get out of our, get out of the way of that, you know, get out of the way and just allow that person to be as they are. Acceptance, you come back to that word again of, you know, allowing things to just be as they are in the moment and hold space for that. Yeah, it's a a through line of everything we're talking about today. Yeah. And I, you know, like I do think that there's a, when you are able to, Charlotte, getting back to activities that make you feel like yourself, whatever those may be. I would also add being out in nature. Nature is so restorative and so healing. Placing your feet, your bare feet on the earth or getting your body into the ocean, smelling a flower, like all these different things that can awaken a sense of restoration and well-being in our bodies is so important. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not the same in any same way. But mm. I think about when I had a baby, I, there was a real feeling like my body was not my own. Yeah. And I had to start to be like slowly get back to things that were just mine. Yeah. Yeah. I have a course in the Headspace app called Befriending the Body. And it's all about rewriting the different stories and narratives that we hold about our bodies. And instead, it's like we're writing a letter to a friend, which is this earth suit that we all live in of, you know, this is the greatest friendship that we'll have. And to be at war and to be against your body is just so challenging. So what can we do to make this experience one that is um, more useful and kind and compassionate? So if you can, Charlotte, check out that um, course in the Headspace app called Befriending Your Body. It's a five-day course as well. That sounds amazing. And there's also resources like the National Cancer Institute um, website, and they have all kinds of stuff about coping with cancer and, you know, all these topics that we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. there's links to support groups and things like that. And it's and, you know, taking it back to what we said at the top when we were just chatting, this might be one of those really positive things Mm -hmm. where technology can can benefit like your local town may not have any 
cancer support groups, but there may be global or national ones that you would have access to through Zoom. Yeah. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but therapy. I mean, the other day my therapist said that therapy is meditation out loud. So if you're not able to sit with yourself and cultivate that sense of non-judgmental awareness, you can have a therapist that is also that embodiment of non-judgmental awareness where they're reflecting back to you your thoughts and you're working with your thoughts in a way that is compassionate and kind. And so having someone to support you if you're not ready to sit and meditate or be in stillness um, can also be something to look into as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck, Charlotte. We are sending all the love, all the vibes your way for a speedy recovery and, mm. um, you know, just to, to finding yourself again. Yes. All the best, Charlotte. Thank you for this question. Hi, friends. Robin here. Okay. I've got a scenario for you. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system that you can trust or is it a, <clears throat> a real POS? Look, you need Shopify for retail because Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store, okay? It's going to accept payments. It's going to manage your inventory. Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortlessly Unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. So that means you could track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Seems kind of important, huh? You're going to be able to connect with your customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools that are built for marketing campaigns at places like TikTok or Instagram. Even beyond that, you're going to get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, my friends, Shopify's award-winning help, it's there to support your success every step of the way. I say you should do retail right with Shopify. So you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash headspace. Come on, you know you wanna. All right, it is time for our third question. It's our last question for the episode, Dora. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. Hi, my name's Barbara. I'm in Connecticut. What do you do when a song or a part of a song is stuck in your head and keeps repeating during meditation? I've tried noting it and letting it go, but the song starts up again. I've tried to focus on other sounds in the environment like a clock ticking or bird song, but the song often restarts just like a nagging thought would. I'm pretty sure this earworm problem happens to a lot of people, but I have never heard a meditation teacher's advice on what to do. <laughs> no oh, pressure. Barbara, Barbara <laughs> I, I have to say in the era of TikTok and TikTok dances, this is such a problem. We're all in this together, honestly, because this happens for me all the time and I would say, and you said, so she said that she has tried noting it. She's tried noticing sounds around her in her environment. Um, I'd invite you to play the song 
to allow it to play out, to allow it to be in your mind. Again, that acceptance, because when we're resisting it, when we're trying so hard to get rid of it, that can cause even more tension in the mind. And there's that sense of striving and grasping to get this thing to go away. But what about if we could just allow the song to play out? What would happen? I'm curious what would happen for you, Robin, too, if you were just allowing that song to be there as it was instead of trying to change it. Well, mine's at like four in the morning. So I feel like if I get up and play, Megan Trainer, it might yeah. wake some people up in the house. And that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But I do love what you're saying here for Barbara, though, because yeah. it's like, as you were saying it, I was like, oh, yeah, because isn't the whole point of the practice, of, you know, in meditation is to allow it to happen and not to try to change what's going on for you. Yeah. So that does make sense, like that maybe the more you try to dig in, the worse it's going to be. Yeah. And even just noting the song, writing it down, like I had a teacher one time tell me that and this is, I'm a spiritual person, so I'm not going to try and <laughs> make it seem like it's not spiritual, but I would wake up with certain songs on my mind in the morning and she would be like, the angels are speaking to you. And what's mm. the song playing? And sometimes I was like, okay, this makes sense. Other times I'm like, Hot in Here by Nelly is probably not <laughs> for my angels, but writing <laughs> down the be. songs, yeah, noticing if there's meaning for you um, and engaging with that, just like you would have thought, because the song is still a thought and you're just learning how to work with your thoughts. So again, acceptance, allowing the song to be there, allowing it to play out. Maybe you don't turn the song on, but you can sing the song in your mind and just, again, allow it to play out. Um, but the big thing would be just dropping resistance or trying not to get rid of it so fast. Would that be a bad like a bad form of practice if you stop like let's say you're meditating at home mm -hmm. and the song is coming and it's coming and come stop stop your meditation play the song dance around a bit do what you do when you hear a good song yeah. and then be like okay now I'm gonna start my meditation like would that be a an okay practice or is it like you should be sticking with it and trying to grind through it you know, for me, the song is the practice. So that is the training ground in the moment. That's the curriculum of like, this is what I'm focusing on, this song. So if I need to, I'm not going to sit there and be like sweating and trying to allow this song to leave. <laughs> I'll get up and play it and then get back to sitting if I can. But I'm not going to restrict myself from enjoying the beauty of music and sound just so that I can sit and be stern. And I think this is also a reminder of playfulness in the practice. Like there's so much seriousness that we can bring to this thing of like, I need to sit down and meditate and no thoughts. And if I get distracted, I'm going to come back. And it's like, where's the playfulness and the lightheartedness of this? Like there's so much fun in practicing and meditating and just noticing yourself and seeing yourself in all these different situations in life. I mean, for me, I don't know about you, Robin. Well, no, but, I'm, I'm yeah. so glad you said that. I mean, I have never particularly thought of meditation as a playful practice. So I want to hear you say some more about that. Yeah. I, and I think this is why I'm a resilient human being is just my ability to laugh at myself. Like, yeah. here I go again, obsessing <laughs> over this person that was from the sixth grade and they're showing up in my meditation. I'm having <laughs> dreams about them. Like my mind is wild. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, I... I shouldn't take this so seriously. And imagine how many other things my mind has made me think about that have made me to be this like serious or angry type of person. And it's like life, it's not that serious. You know, there is some things that are, you know what I mean? Are you going to remember this in five years? Probably not. So let's let it go and just enjoy the moment as it is. And sometimes like 
uh, it, throwing on some music and dancing, that has a real meditative quality, especially if nobody's home and I'm dancing like an absolute fool. Like that has a real meditative resetting quality for me. So maybe, Barbara, it's your body nudging you and being like, stop taking this so seriously. Get up and dance a little. I recently changed my morning routine and I have 15 minutes in the morning where I play three different songs and I'll just oh. dance. I love that. Dance, like choreograph, made up dance and Beyonce's backup, like dancer, like oh, all these I different things. And it's like the best thing in this world. There's no due dates, deadlines. It doesn't have to look good. It's just me dancing for the sake of dancing, enjoying myself. So... Well, Barbara, have some fun. And um, and Barbara, I, I would like to say this. If you wanted to leave us another voicemail telling us what song it is that's stuck, I'm really curious. So I am so curious. Please, please, <laughs> like, and let us know how it goes, too, because um, we, we, we'd like to share updates when we can, too. So we are here for you, Barbara. Yeah, thank you for this question, Barbara. And I'll say it again. A song is a thought at the end of the day. It's a beautiful thought. It's a catchy thought. It has melodies and harmonies, but uh, approaching it as you would any other thought. Um, and it sounds like you've done a pretty good job of that as well. Oh, Dora, that was such a fantastic conversation. Yeah, this was beautiful and such a great reminder that there's so many layers to yes. this human experience. And I'm really grateful to have heard from all the people that have shared yeah. Me too. And I, I just love the theme of acceptance that ran through all of that. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. through everything. And I, I really loved that. Yeah. And I hope that folks can walk away from listening to this episode, realizing that acceptance isn't a one and done thing. It's a constant practice that we have to work towards. It's not a, I accepted it and therefore it's gone forever. It's like <laughs> it, probably every single moment you'll have to keep on leaning into that sense of acceptance. Well, thank you, Barbara, Charlotte, and Andrew for sharing your questions with us. And if you are out there and you are listening and you have a question that you would like one of the meditation teachers to answer, just head over to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace. And you're going to just follow the prompts and you get to record your question. And one thing that we love to hear from you all is how the power of meditation has impacted your everyday life. So feel free to send us a voice note sharing about the different moments where you were aware or maybe noticed you were more compassionate or were able to slow down and be in the moment. And if we use your question or we share your mindful moment on the show, you are going to get three months of Headspace for free. You can use it. You can give it to a loved one. You can give it to your mean boss. Just you share it with the world. Beautiful. And before we leave you today, we are going to offer you a soundscape just to transition into the rest of your day. So wherever you are, take a moment just to settle in. Close the eyes if you'd like. And just allow these sounds to wash over your mind, body, and spirit. So till next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And be kind to each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, Baron Farmar, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, and Eve Lewis Prieto. Sound recording and post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Murgia. And a very special thanks to Colleen Lutz. Thank you.